Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. So I want to get into the Word of God. Is that all right? And so why don't we turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1 of the Word of God. And I'm going to read quite a few verses of the Scripture because I want you to get the gist of what I'm talking about tonight. In Acts chapter 1, in verse number 1, it says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was given up or taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. And during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he actually proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So Jesus is reminding them when he told them that. And then John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, uh, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and time, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and at the end of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. And while they were watching, they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. And it says, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, said, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I thank you for this conference. I thank you for all the faithfulness of people in this house tonight. I pray today for the grace of God to minister to every person, Lord, that's sitting in this room, wherever they're at today in their state of mind, wherever they're at spiritually today, I pray the word of God would come alive. I pray that you'll challenge them and speak into their heart. Father, we know your word is relevant in 2022 as it's ever been. So I pray, Lord God, today, you anoint these lips today to declare your word and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. So the Bible is telling us here, Luke is writing this. Many of us know him as Dr. Luke, and he's saying everything that I told you about or that I wrote about Jesus in my gospel, his life and his teaching, that was just the beginning until the day he was taken up into heaven. So he's writing this letter and beginning to tell him all the works and the things that Jesus did. Now, before I start this message tonight, I want to mention a legendary and a very familiar musician. And many of you might have heard of him. I think you probably have. And I realize today as we're standing here or we're here in this room, there's a generational gap when it comes to music. 
And many of you grew up listening to different music than I grew up. Some of you probably grew up with Katy Perry and uh, what's his name, Kanye West or Kanye West. I don't even know his name, Kanye West, Tupac, Tupac and, and uh, Snoop Dogg. And whoever they are, I don't listen to rap music. I have to sometimes, but I, I don't like to. Anyway, uh, compared to what, when I'm in the gym, I'm going, why the rap music? But anyway, compared to what I grew up to, uh, in, I was listening to Motown, The Beach Boys, The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and I can't leave out the legendary Elvis Presley. I still remember when he died. I was 13 years old, 1977, the summer there in South Los Angeles when we heard the news that he had passed away. Now, one of the things about Elvis Presley is he's a cultural icon in the 20th century, and even in this century, about half a million people travel to Memphis, Tennessee to visit a place called Graceland. Anyone ever been to Graceland? No, I guess nobody here. <laughs> and many people argue this point, though. They argue that, uh, that he is really the king of rock and roll. And the thing about Elvis is Elvis often, when he performed, his fans were enamored by his presence. His concerts were absolutely electrifying. Crowds would begin to cheer. Women would begin to scream. Some even passed out. There were certain songs that he sang that people really love. And I don't know if you know some of these songs, but you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Have you ever seen that? Crying all the time. You ever seen that? And anyway. I mean, I used to do that at home. I love that, man. And, and what about that song, you know, wise men say, only fools rushing, but I can't help falling in love with you. There was just something about that, man. Now, I want to say, like every musical genius, uh, one of the things about his concert is he would leave or he left the audience wanting more. They wanted one more, you know, one more song. And like in, you know, crowd concert fashion, they would always, you know, they would wanting an encore and they would shout, like many of you, maybe you went to a concert and they go, one more song, one more song. And most of the crowd didn't realize, but would soon find out is Elvis Presley never gave an encore. So they would scream, they would shout, they would look intently at the stage, they were uh, patient, screaming, uh, and hoping that if they screamed and waited long enough, it would provoke another performance. And so what would happen is the public address announcer would get on the intercom, and as the crowd was lingering, and they kept shouting one more time, the public address announcer would say, ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. <laughs> Which means, I don't care what you do after tonight, but you need to clear the building. <laughs> he, he's not coming back, basically. 
he's gone. And this is the way I imagine that the disciples felt when they're gazing at Jesus. They have been with Jesus here these 40 days, and all of a sudden, uh, he floats into the air. You know, can you imagine they, they were stressed out just 40 days prior to that when he was uh, dead for three days? And then when he rose again, could you imagine the excitement and how stirred they were? And that for 40 days, he hung out with them. And they were so excited. Jesus is with us. And all of a sudden, as they're there talking to him, the Bible said he begins to float and fade away and go into the heavens. And I imagine they were thinking, my goodness, not only did Jesus have left the building, but he's left earth. Am I right? <laughs> and they were probably thinking to themselves, what are we going to do now? What in the world are we going to do now that he's gone? See, one of the things about Jesus' ascension into heaven and the fact that he just kind of floated into heaven, really, they didn't realize it, but that Jesus was trying to get them to transition from God doing it for them, for them begin to do it actively through God working through them. See, what they didn't realize is he was trying to transition them from God doing everything for them and now God working through them. And many times we want transition. We're looking, in theory, we want transition as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's familiar. As long as it's not an inconvenience in my life, we have a statement in my church, change is my friend. We say it all the time. We talk about it, that change is good. Change is my best friend, BFF. You know, that's my buddy. Change is my friend. And as they're gazing and they're looking into heaven, the Bible says these two angels that are dressed in white said, they tell the men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? In other words, this transition is from God doing things for you and now God doing things through you. This transition is from God's presence being with you is now God's presence going to be in you. This transition is going to be from God's presence being limited to Jesus' physical body to his spirit being poured out on the body. In other words, they were weeping on what was, and they were about to miss the wonder about what was going to happen. And so this ascension, this transition, God was trying to set them up for the next phase or the next level that they were going to get involved in and how God was going to actively move in their life. Now, here's one of the things most of us probably know this, but one of the most important, there's a few most important events for Christian or believers all of us, we, there's some important events that all of us can look at and say, that is the most important event for Christianity. One of us would agree that it's the resurrection, that Jesus died and rose again. The second most important event is probably Christmas, right? Jesus being born. But the third most important event is the day of Pentecost. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and we know the result of what happened 
or we know what happened on the day of Pentecost, but the results of the day of Pentecost are some key things that I want to focus on this, uh, this evening, and I believe it would really help us because as the result of the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed. This is where the church was born. This is where the church began to be activated. This is exactly what Jesus was telling them in Acts chapter 1, that I'm going to pour out my spirit, or he's saying, wait there in Jerusalem, and the spirit of God is going to come. He said, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my witnesses. He's telling them everywhere about me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the end of the earth. And because of this, he's saying, you're going to impact the world. Now, one of the things about the church, the reason why the church is so critical, because the church is the only thing that's going to last forever. Book of Revelation talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, or the wedding feast, the bride of Christ. You and I are the bride of Christ. And we're going to be there in eternity with Jesus So the church is going to last forever. Us as believers are going to last forever, and we're going to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I want to say to you, there's no local church that's going to last forever. The churches in the Bible no longer exist. The churches that are here that exist today on the earth, every church is like a living organism. I'm talking about the local church. We grow, we develop, we mature, we reproduce, and we die. But some churches have prematurely died. And I'm concerned about that as a pastor. I'm concerned about churches that have prematurely died. I'm concerned that during 2020, we had a lot of churches that prematurely died. And I begin to think about this because I don't know if you've ever been. I've been to the UK one time, and I remember going to England and seeing these beautiful cathedrals and these wonderful churches and the architectural, uh, all the all, all the beauty of all the work and intricate things about them. And in some churches, there would be like maybe five or eight people. And then many of those buildings are being sold today to restaurants, to pubs, and I begin to think about that, that you know what, if we're not careful, that could happen in America. We could be a museum of past revivals. We could be a church that was and prematurely died. So what causes the church to die? What what causes the church to, to prematurely die? There's a number of things I want to talk about because, again, God birthed his church on the day of Pentecost after Jesus' ascension. And so what keeps the church alive? What keeps it vibrant? Well, I believe it's the Spirit of God. I believe it's the presence of God on that church. When the hand of God is on a church, you're going to see marriages saved. You're going to see lives changed. You're going to see people put back together. People are going to get out of debt. Did you hear me? Uh, All kinds of miracles are going to happen. Uh, There's going to be change in the community when the hand of God is on that church. And I think about this as the pastor. I don't want to be a part of a dead church. I don't want to be a part of a dead network. My greatest fear as a pastor 
is that we lose the spirit of God in our churches. Because when a church is in revival, when a church is blessed by God, people are blessed. Families are blessed. Communities are blessed. Cities are blessed. Nations are blessed. Can you say amen? So how is it that churches can lose the presence of God? And this is why, again, Jesus transitioned into heaven and he birthed the church because he was trying to impart something into us that was going to last for eternity. Now, I want us to go back here to, and then we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 at the very first church. Now, most of us know when you're born at conception, you have an amount of DNA or the full amount of DNA in your life at conception. You don't gain any more DNA after you're born. You got all the DNA you're going to get. It's your genetic code. When I look in the Word of God and I look at the first church, the original church, it had all the DNA that it needed. And this is where we can look at to say this is where we get our identity. This is where we get what we're supposed to uh, do, and this is where we get our genetic code. This is what we're supposed to do as the church when you look at the first church and the DNA in that church. Now, I know this is 2,000 years later, and time is different, culture is different, but I'm here to tell you, times may have changed, but values don't. Time may have changed, but vision does not. Time may have changed, but purpose doesn't change. The Word of God is still as relevant today as it always has been. It applies to every facet of your life. He is still the answer to our empty soul. He still heals the brokenhearted. He redeems and saves those that are lost. He answers our doubts and our unbelief. He helps us in our finances. He helps us in our relationship. He helps us in our conflicts. He validates when we feel inadequate. He strengthens us when we feel weak. He empowers us when we feel powerless. He enables us when we feel like we heaven and earth may pass away but my word will never pass away and in Acts chapter 2 we see some elements we see some keys we see some DNA that makes the church what it is and what makes the church essential today in Acts chapter 2 we see a strong church and one of the things that we see today is we see a praying church at, at a church that prays and a church that has the power of God. I believe that's the key to what God is doing. A church that prays and has the power of God has the Holy Spirit. The presence of God, the power of God, makes a difference in any organization or group. I said, We have the Holy Spirit. Starbucks doesn't have the Holy Spirit. They have caffeine, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Tesla doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Microsoft doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Google doesn't have the Holy Spirit. All these corporations around the world, uh, no government has this Holy Spirit, but I'm here to tell you, the church has the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and God, 
have given us an enormous responsibility because we have the power and because we have the Holy Spirit. You may have heard this. We're to plunder hell and populate heaven. And God doesn't expect us to do this on our own. And this is why he's given us the power. And this is why he's given us the spirit. Now, how do we receive the power of God? How is it that we can have God's power in our life? How is it that we can have the power of God in our church? It's very simple. It's called prayer. Not rocket science today. Prayer gives you access to the power of God. It is direct connection. There's a direct connection between prayer and power. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power, right? Little kids, small kids, right? All that, right? That's how it works. I don't know the details of your life. I don't have to know the details of your life. But if you tell me how much you talk to God every day, I'll tell you how much power you have in your life today. There is something that is directly linked to the power of God, and that's why we need to be praying. That's why we believe in praying before every service, why we believe in praying at the altar. That's why we believe in, in having prayer meetings, because prayer makes the difference. And Jesus said, I want you to go and wait, he says, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And what did they do? They didn't just go wait. They began to pray. They began to get a hold of God. They didn't know how long they had to wait, but they knew they had to go and do something, and they went to go pray. And Jesus said, Jesus was telling them, there's going to be a promise that's going to come to you. In John 16, 7, if you go back, he says, I'm telling you the truth. It's better for you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the helper will not come, talking about the Holy Spirit, but if I go away, then I will send him to you. So that word better, it's better I go away. He's saying it's to your advantage. It is best that I go away. In other words, when I'm gone, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit your way. It's better. How many know serving God is better? Am I right? Serving God is just better. I'm going to just tell you today, until we're convinced that God is better, you're, you're, you're never going to serve God consistently. This is the problem with so many people. They don't, they're not convinced that God's better and salvation's better. See, there's a lot of people that are serving God because they're just right. And serving God for just right is only going to last for so long because you're going to get tired of doing what is right. Or you're always thinking something else is better. Until you're convinced that Jesus is better, his way is better, when you're convinced of that, then it's going to keep you over the long haul because there ain't nothing better than serving God. I said there is nothing better than serving God. Jesus is better than your friends. Jesus is better than your movies and cars. He's better than your career. He's better than your sin. He's better than your bright ideals. Jesus is better today. Now, the Bible says that when Jesus was walking around before he ascended into heaven, that he actually appeared to 500 people at one time after his resurrection. 
So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read it in just a moment. The Bible says that 120 were gathered in the upper room and they were praying. I've always wondered what happened to the other 380 people that day. They missed church. They're watching online. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you what they were about to experience. They couldn't experience it online. This is why the church is so essential for us to gather in person. There's something you can't experience unless you're in the room. You have to be in the room for God. Now, I appreciate those that are watching online. I love you. Keep sharing the content. Do all of that. But I heard this. One of the brothers said, but online should be a last resort, not a preference. If you can make it the church physically, you should be here. It should not be, uh, it should be our last resort and not a preference. Because something can't happen unless you're right here in the room. The tangible presence of God, the community, the freedom of God, it happens while you're here in person. And so the disciples didn't know how long they were going to have to pray. The Bible says they went there, and they began to pray in the upper room. Of course, we know 10 days later, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were gathered together in the upper room. Let's read that scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind or a rushing wind came through heaven from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God enabled them. So there are a couple of key things that are happening in the first church there's this sound of rushing wind there's this fire and they begin to speak in tongues but in that particular instance they were speaking distinctively in native languages and I'll show you that in just a moment there is a reason why this was happening so the church the original church had the power of God that rushing wind it had the fire of God And then you're going to see as the result, all these people from different nationalities responded. This was a multicultural church. God was about to change lives, not just the Jewish community, but many more after that. So the presence of God came in such a way, the scripture says, uh, that they began to be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God enabled them, uh, but they were speaking foreign languages, uh, or they were speaking in a foreign language that other people could hear and understand. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they begin to speak different languages, as the Spirit gave each of them the power to express themselves. Now, let me just be real clear here today. This is different than in 1 Corinthians 14, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongue. It's our personal prayer life, our personal prayer language to God, where we're not talking to man, we're talking to God. Bible says we do that for our edification or our personal growth. 
The personal growth edification is not happening here. This miracle of the tongue that came on them when they were speaking these different languages so that the good news could go out and evangelism could take place and people that were there could hear the good news spoken in their language. Are you with me so far? So this was happening. The Bible says in verse 5, there were religious Jews staying in Jerusalem who had come what? From every country in the world. So there was no coincidence. Uh, how many know it's too coincidental to be a coincidence? God decides to start the church the day the whole world shows up to Jerusalem. It's not a coincidence. People from every nation, uh, so the word is getting out uh, so it could spread fast. The Bible says when they heard the noise, the large crowd gathered, uh, and they were all excited because all of them heard the believers uh, talking in their own language. So in other words, if you were from Asia, you showed up from Jeru to Jerusalem that day, you could hear your native language in Asia or Asian languages. Uh, people from Africa could hear African languages. And the Bible says, in amazement, uh, uh, in amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this are, are Galileans. In other words, these are Jews from Israel. How is it then that all of us hear them speaking in our own native language? And all of us hear them speaking in our languages about the great thing God has done. What a miracle. There was something there that God was trying to convey, and I believe today it's something that's happening. See, God was reversing the curse of Genesis chapter 11. There's a curse there where all the people are gathered together and they're building this tower of Babel. And the Bible says all of them are speaking the same language. And the scripture said that God looks down and he says that we need to go down there and confuse them. And the scripture said they begin to talk to each other and it sounded like Babel. This is where we get Babylon from. And each of them begin to divide and go to different places. So now we see the church, God is reversing the curse, and now he's causing this miracle so that we could speak language or speak the language that other people could hear and the gospel could be spread. Can you say amen? amen. I begin to think, I looked up a statistic, they say that the church already speaks more languages than the United Nations. That there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world or members of church, and we know more languages than any other organization. We're the only true global organization. The church speaks every language or major language around the world. In this room alone, I imagine there are people here that can speak different languages right now. I imagine there's some of you that speak a foreign language. And I'm just saying to you today that maybe you speak a different language because somebody needs to hear what you're saying. That maybe God put you in this church so that you could speak to someone that we can't speak to, but that you can. Now, I speak two different languages. Uh, actually, three. I speak t in tongues as well. But I, I speak... Yo hablo español también. So I do speak Spanish. I'm not, uh, gracias, bendiciones, hallelujah. But I'm not just talking about native languages. A lot of us speak dozens of languages you don't even realize. 
A lot of us today, we're speaking more languages than we realize. If you're someone that's involved in electronics and computers and you're into IT, you speak digital language. We call it geek, not Greek, but geek. <laughs> and you can speak to someone in that geek language. If you're involved in golf, you can speak golf. If you're a salesman, you can close deals. You speak that. If you're a mechanic, you speak mechanical, you know, stuff. You know, head gaskets and cylinder blocks and header. And I don't even know what a header is, but a header. And <laughs> I had to go on the internet and look that up. Some of you are accountants, and you speak accounting language. Some of you speak artists and music language and bars and temples and all of that. We don't have any idea. Some of you speak more languages than you realize. Some of you speak baseball language. Some of you speak uh, uh, basketball language. Some of you speak football language. Some of you think you speak football language. <laughs> if you're a Raider fan, you're not speaking football. You're speaking babble. You're babble. Give them grace. Raider fan, babble, babble. That's what they do. I have to put that in there. Every language is spoken. If you're into hip hop, you speak the hip hop language. If you're into social media, you speak the social media language. You, you speak uh, of Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. What are we doing here? We're connecting with people from different backgrounds, from different social statuses, from different economic statuses. We're creating this beautiful mosaic, this beautiful mosaic of the people called the church. And all of these pieces and all of these different pieces and sharp edges and jagged and rough edges are brought together and God makes a beautiful design. Someone say amen. amen. Let me get real practical here. The reason why God has given you that language, let's just be honest, you have a friend right now that's going to hell. You have a friend right now that if his life doesn't change, they're going to hell. You love them, but most of all, God loves them. And you have the language to reach them. You don't have to be a great theologian. You don't even have to know a lot of the Bible. All you have to do is speak their language. Some of your friends, they're in the movie. Speak movie language, man. Some of them are whatever, photography and a lot of them today, you can reach. The person next to you can't reach them, but you can. If we want to move of God, we've got to begin to use the language that God gives us. I say we've got to begin to use the language that God gives us. i got to move real quickly here. But the Bible says that when God filled the church or filled these people with the Holy Spirit and all of these other people that heard their language... All of a sudden, the church, there was 3,000 people that got saved that day. And don't tell me about church growth because, man, 3,000 people. I think God wants to grow the church. 3,000 were there. And the first church there, these people begin, they weren't spectators. They were participators. 
And they weren't just an audience. The Bible said they all began to get involved, all ages, different genders, multicultural. The Bible said that Peter stood up and said, people, he said, people, he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. In other words, the people had seen or heard the sound of a rushing wind. They had seen the fire. They began to hear their language. Something supernatural was happening. What does supernatural mean? God puts his super on your natural. That's it. (laughs) We are naturally supernatural. Your natural, God puts his super on your natural. And so here they are. Peter says, you know, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, in that culture, people didn't drink early in the morning. Some of you before Christ, B.C., You were getting rid of the cruda in the morning and having another boo. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us were doing that, hangover. And so here's Peter. He said, man, this is, they're not drunk. He goes, God says, and then he begins to say say in Acts chapter 2 there, he said, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh or everyone. He said, your sons and daughter will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will have dreams. Yes, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will begin to prophesy, for everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. So he says, sons, daughters, he says, men and women, young and old, who does that exclude? Nobody. See, a lot of us are on the sideline. We're on the sideline online. We don't want to get involved. And when we see the scripture here, the Bible says every gender, everyone, was. he said, I'm promising the Holy Spirit to be on your life. Can I be honest here today? I don't know if I even should say this. Pastor Eddie, should I say it? If you want to sit around and waste your life and do nothing, you're in the wrong church. If you want to sit around, do nothing, and waste your time on things that are not going to matter in eternity, you're in the wrong network. You want to be in Waste Network. This is Reach Network, not Waste Network. And you can waste your time doing nothing for nothing and becoming nothing. There's plenty of churches where you can go sit, listen, go home, and be like an orange that dropped from the tree and just sit, sit, soak, and sour. You can do that. Nobody's going to challenge you to do anything. Nobody's going to challenge you to get involved. No one's going to challenge you to use your gifting. And so you can go to fake network and waste network. But, friend, we're a part of reach network today. And you're in a church where we challenge you to do something. We're going to challenge your life. We're going to, we're not afraid. And, you know, we're not going to apologize for it. We're not going to make excuses for it. Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. 
And so I'm going to challenge you. God wants to use your talent, not for you, but for others. God wants to use your ability and whatever you have today for his glory and his praise today. And I want you to know, God said, Jesus said, you know what? You got to love me more than your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your abuelita, everybody else. We, we, we got to begin to wake up a little bit. Jesus said, man, uh, the believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Uh, they will cast out devils. God wants to use your life in a supernatural way so not to sit around and waste your life and just retire. God wants to stir your heart up today. So many of us today, God wants to use you in a greater way than you've ever thought possible. God wants to use you and anoint your life. And so many of us are spectators when we're supposed to be participators. We're sitting around in our church waiting, and God says, get up and do something. Man, get involved. You can do something. You can pick up something. You can move something. You can help out with something. You can give something. I'm not, you know, I'm not apologizing about offering. You need to give to something with a greater cause than just your car and your bills. Give something for eternity today. That's what we're talking about. I, I look in the Word of God. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they were practicing the Word of God. They weren't just hearing the Word of God. They were doing the Word of God. They were practicing it and doing what God called them to do. And so today, what we're hearing today is a lot of practical and motivational teaching, and I appreciate motivation, and I appreciate the practicality, and I try to be practical in my teaching. When I teach the Word of God, I want people to be able to use it in their job, use it wherever it is, but I'm not making an idol out of practicality, because I also know that the Word of God is spiritual. Yeah. And we're dealing, we're dealing with spiritual matters today. Jesus said, my, my word that I speak is spirit and life. And so it becomes spiritual because the word of God will convict you. The word of God will challenge you. The word of God will tell you to deny yourself. The word of God will tell you to put him first. And so we're dealing with something today that's very spiritual. In fact, the word of God is so spiritual today. The Bible said that it's a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you need to understand that there's an invisible being, an evil spirit that's coming against your life. So you better start getting a little bit more spiritual with the word of God so you'll be able to fight them today. That's why the enemy is doing everything he can to oppose the word of God. We see it in our culture. We see it in our media. We see it in our government. Now, let me just say this because I, I want to make this real clear because everybody tries to get the church to do all kinds of different things. Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome. He came to overwhelm hearts. And when he overwhelms hearts, he'll overthrow culture. We're still focused on changing culture. We need to be focused on changing hearts. When we change hearts, we'll change the culture. This is why the gospel is good news. Did you know that's what it means, good news? I'm going to tell you, we've got the good news. I said, we've got the good news today that people need to hear. 
This was part of the DNA of the church. This is what caused this church to multiply and expand. Uh, there was something about the gospel and the news that they began to share and begin to tell other people about it, and they begin to be convicted. The Bible says they got convicted in their heart. They said, what, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent. How many know repentance is still a good word? It still changes lives today. We still preach repentance. You're never going to get converted. You're never going to get changed unless you repent. I don't make no apologies about repentance. I need repentance. In fact, I, I need to repent every day. I'm just let's be honest. And the Bible said that this church, the DNA of this church, not only were they devoted to the word of God, but they loved each other. There was, there was something about them. In other words, they recognized a love that was in this church. They recognized the connection that was there. The Bible said, look at this, Act 2.42. They took part in fellowship and in sharing in fellowship meals and praying together. I'm telling you today, people ought to see a difference in your life. If you're a believer, they ought to see a little bit of love in your life today. This is why the Bible said they, they assembled every day, Acts uh, 2.44. The believers continued together in close fellowship. They lived in wonderful harmony. Every day, did you hear me? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple court, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 2020 has indoctrinated us and molded us to watch online when we ought to be going back to meeting together. Yeah. Bunch of baloney. I can watch online. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I'm tired. Bunch of baloney. Bunch of, bunch of babble, right? <laughs> bunch of Raider babble. No, bunch of babble. Bunch of babble. Sorry, you Raider fans. Love you guys. I love Raider fans. <laughs> I need to move on. I can't, I can't get stuck on that. Let me just say this, and before I come to a close here, what they begin to do is, the Bible says in Acts 2, 46 and 47, they continue to worship together in the temple courts, praising God. There was a little bit of joy in their worship. There was some excitement. Man, I, I, I love the worship that we have around. Isn't it exciting, man? We're worshiping. We have our hands. We're clapping. I, I almost can't preach unless I'm part of the worship service. I mean, man, if I get to church, if I happen to go visit some church and I get there late, man, I, I, if I didn't make it to the worship service, I, 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 man, I feel like unprepared. I need to be part of the worship. The Bible said they worship God. They were the presence and the dominion of God. The glory of God came upon the place. And I believe today that's what brings the power of God. Let me end with this today, and I, I need to come to a close here really quick. The day of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, Jesus has not left the building. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is in the building tonight. He's in the building. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out his spirit, and by his spirit, Jesus is in the building tonight. He's empowering you. He's empowering his church. He's empowering our lives today.
Many of us, we're stuck looking up. And God says, why are you looking up? It's time to get busy. Why are you gazing? It's time to get involved. You know what? It's, it's time to make a transition. You know, it's time, I said, it's time to make a transition. We're not in 2020 anymore. You don't always have to watch online anymore. I love you guys watching online. If, if you need to watch online, you have. But if you could be here in person, you, we need to start going back to church again and be there. It needs to be back into that. Transition back. My goodness, how long is this going to be? How long are we going to take doing? I, I'm tired of it already. I'm just be honest with you. I don't care if I'm politically correct. What, forget all that. I make no apologies. I, 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 I just know that Jesus is in the building tonight. I said Jesus is in the building tonight. And if you'll let Jesus move in your life, you'll begin to do things that you never thought possible. Never in my wildest dream that I thought I'd be preaching here today and ministering to you, hearing my son introduce me and seeing all that God's doing, not only my sons and family, but sons in the faith. And I just celebrate all that God's doing in their churches. I clap, man. I, I, I'm just excited. I'm so proud to see what the Lord's doing and what God's going to do. Friend, we, we need to celebrate a little bit more. I said, we need to celebrate just a little bit more. Jesus is in the building tonight. Why don't we bow our heads for just a moment? Holy Spirit, we thank you tonight, God, for your grace. God, you're so good. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your hand in this place today. We thank you for your work of grace. God, without your spirit, where would we be? How could we function? Everything that we do, you empower us. You enable us. You help us do it. We can't even do it without your spirit. So, Lord, we're thankful today. We're thankful for grace. We're thankful for mercy. So, God, I pray today, help us. Help us, God, to stop gazing up, to stop being stuck looking in the heaven, and instead begin to pray and begin to get active. Begin to do the work of God. Lord, there's so much. You, you birthed the church as an army. You birthed the church, and you put the church on a mission today. So, God, we need to continue. We've, we've been diverted. We've been distracted. But, God, we need to get back on the mission tonight. We need to stop making excuses tonight. Lord, I pray today that you'll challenge the people of God. You'll challenge people in this room that maybe have given up on their call. Some have been discouraged. Even pastors that feel like quitting. Even pastors that even came this week and said, man, I don't even know why I come to conference. God began to challenge you that you need to align yourself back in the call of God. Get back to the place where God called you. Some of us need to get, say, just say that prayer. God, take me back where I first received you. 
Take me back to where you first called me. Take me back, God, to when you spoke to me. Take me back to that time, Lord, where I was sitting in a conference and I responded. Tell me you today, God's speaking to you about doing, doing something for God. About saying, you know what? I need to stop making excuses. I need to stop being on the sideline. And I need to get active for God today. I believe that in this house. I believe the Lord wants the challenges. All this week, we've been challenged. The church, we've been challenged. God's been speaking to us. And I believe there needed to be a lot of healing. A lot of healing has taken place. Thank the Lord for healing. Thank the Lord today for all that he does. But after we're healed, we need to do something. We need to get up. We need to get up and walk today. So, Father, right now, I pray right now, reach across this room. Every person, every individual, every leader, every pastor, every member in this church, every minister, God, I pray today that you'll stir our hearts today. That God today, Lord, we're going to stop making excuses. Lord, we're going to contend a little bit more for the call of God. We're going to contend for miracles. I believe God right now wants to do miracles in this place. It, it is God shifting some things right now. I really believe that. We're going to see more supernatural miracles than we've ever seen. We're going to see a move of the Holy Spirit where as believers, you're going to pray for people and people are going to just going to begin, begin to get healed. We're going to see people coming to the church to be healed and, and receive healing because they're going to hear about the miracles of God. I believe that today. Some of you right now, you've been believing. You've been contending pastors. You've been believing God for that. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I, I prophesy it's going to happen right now. So Father, I pray today, let us not settle for second best. Let us not stay stuck gazing. But God, you're in this building. You're in our heart. The Holy Spirit is empowering our lives today. So God, empower your people right now. You know what? If you just want to come, why don't we stand? If you want to come to this altar, I'm going to open this altar right now. You just right now. Some of you need to re recommit right now. Recommit to your call. Recommit to get what God's saying to you right now. However God's speaking to your life, come right now. Just come. Come. You want to do something for God? Come to this altar today. You want God to use you? Come to this altar today. You're discouraged. You're a pastor. You're a minister. You're discouraged. Come to this altar today. You want to see a move of God, a greater move of God in your church? This is what I'm talking about. These ingredients, amen. This is why Jesus died and rose again. This is why he ascended into heaven to pour out his spirit upon your life today, upon every individual in this house. Because I believe God can use anyone. There's no one today that's limited. There's no one today that's not qualified. God qualified the unqualified. Amen. God uses those people that the most unlikely. The nation of Israel was the most unlikely. The disciples that followed Jesus were the most unlikely. They were just fishermen. They were ragged. And these were men that, that no one believed in, but Jesus did. And they birthed the church of Jesus Christ that changed the world. I'm looking at some world change. You want to be a world changer today? Just come. I don't know about you. I want to be a world changer today. 
So I want to begin to pray. Pastors, uh, I want you to get around, begin to pray for people. Come on, let's begin to talk to God all over this house right now. I'm going to begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.